You're listening to a mini episode of the Inside the Board Study Smarter series for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1. Here is an example from our all audio QBank covering some psychopharmacology. You can get more high yield questions like this, plus bonus features like early access to certain episodes or collections of study advice, including our Med School Coach Minutes, StatMed Lessons with Ryan Orwig from StatMed Learning, and our Kaplan Test Prep Minutes prior to their release on the podcast with an ITB and Audio QBank premium subscription from Podbean. Our all Audio QBank features content from Osmosis, Lecturio, and Online MedEd. It's affordable and It's the only resource specifically designed to help give you time back so you can study on the go and save that time for other things in life. When you purchase a subscription, you help us continue the work we do here at Inside the Boards. And at this introductory price, you're helping us build the app that will give this content to you in a manner that is much more friendly for the user. Check the show notes for the link to sign up for our All Audio QBank or go to insidetheboards.podbean.com. Sign up before August 15th for a 6- or 12-month subscription, and we will double the length of your access for free. So for you incoming first years, that's two years for less than 100 bucks. For one year for 50 bucks. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with some new high yield neurology. But first, here's Ryan Orwig with another StatMed lesson. We're back with another StatMed lesson with Ryan Orwig, founder of StatMed Learning. We've talked a little bit uh, in interviews about common test taking issues. You have identified and codified a bunch of different things. Can you talk to the students about the bad slash? Sure. So the bad slash, this is when, you know, when you're working through questions and you've, let's say you've done a handful of questions and you go back and you pull out the missed questions. The bad slash is when you realize that you slashed out the correct answer. So you missed the question. So it's not even like you narrowed down to two and it was still in play or you were like, I don't know what it is. This is indicative of you being like, wow, bang, I'm not even thinking about you. You're wrong. You're out automatically from that sort of first pass through. So this is called the bad slash. This usually indicates impulsive test taking, maybe being blinded by a prediction. So you predict something and the the right answer A is not what you predicted. So you're like, oh, that's not what I predicted. So you slash it out. Um, Maybe basing your whole thought process on a single clue. So you look at like purple spots on the buttocks. You're like, eh, HSP. And then A is not HSP. It's like toxic shock or like it's meningococcemia or something like that, yeah. which could have similar. And you're not, and you're just like, you're like, oh, that's not HSP. Boom, you're out without really looking at the other clues, which would point much more toward meningococcemia and not, and, and even rule out HSP. So this is this, this bad slash. This is low hanging fruit. And what I mean by that is that if you are a bad slasher, this is usually easier to fix than other more sort of deep-rooted and insidious uh, behaviors we see. So an example might be in a most appropriate next step in management question, the test taker correctly reads the passage and, and gets the idea, oh, this is like a sciatica disc herniation issue, and then sort of ends up going down to the answer options, slashing through the right answer, 
which would be NSAIDs and like two days bed rest or something, and grabbing onto MRI. Boom, MRI, disc herniation, boom, out. And then they go back and they read the answer explanation. And they realize they did a lot of things wrong. Again, these, these issues don't usually happen just in a vacuum. But the fact that they slashed the right answer instead of keeping it in play might also inform us that they're missing this question earlier in the sequence, hmm. almost from like inception, you know, from the inception of the, of the way they read through it. And then we, you know, we really have to have the students learn how to identify the mistakes after the fact. That's called self-reflection. And then identify the path that they could have taken to get it right. That's more develops what are called self-monitoring skills so that they can regulate themselves in the run of play. And again, if they're making these bad slashes, that's usually one of the first things we have to cut out. And that's very doable if they learn how to reflect on it. And anybody can do this. Reflect on how you missed it, not just what the right answer is, and see if you can see the steps you should have taken to get it right. All boards prep students should be doing something like this. And if you have trouble with it, that's where the board's workshop can come in. If you want to learn to slash better, head over to the statprogram.com slash ITB for a special offer from StatMed Learning just for ITB listeners. A 17-year-old girl is brought to the emergency room by her parents after she was found trying to ingest bleach. She appears restless and agitated and says she is a terrible person who does not deserve to be alive. Her parents report that she has been more talkative and irritable than usual. However, since yesterday, she has been confused and withdrawn. She had not slept for more than four hours a night for the last two weeks, and she was fired from her summer job due to making inappropriate sexual innuendos. She tells you that her bad behaviors have been broadcasted on the national news and that the police are looking for her. However, neither of these things have happened. Which of the following is the most appropriate medication to be administered as a first-line therapy for her condition? A. Buspirone B. Haloperidol C. Lithium or D. Mirtazapine The correct answer is C. Lithium. This patient is suffering from bipolar 1 disorder, which is characterized by mood episodes of extreme highs, called mania, and lows or depression that cause a drastic change in the person's usual state. Manic symptoms consist of elevated or irritable mood lasting for at least a week. Grandiosity, decreased need for sleep, talkativeness, racing thoughts, hypersexuality, distractibility, and psychomotor agitation are other symptoms of mania. By contrast, bipolar 2 disorder is characterized by hypomanic rather than manic episodes. Major depression is characterized by dysphoria most of the day, with diminished interest in nearly all daily activities and thoughts of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt, as well as suicidal ideation and or suicide attempt. Psychotic features and anxious distress, as displayed by this patient, increase the diagnostic specificity of bipolar disorder. Lithium is the mainstay of treatment for bipolar disorder for adults and adolescents, especially for acute mania, maintenance, and reduction of suicide risk. It is not metabolized and is excreted almost exclusively through the kidneys, contributing to its long-term nephrotoxicity. Lithium's mechanism of action is poorly understood. One hypothesis is that it dampens several neurotransmitter systems, including serotonin, dopamine, glutamate, GABA, and norepinephrine, by depleting the second messenger, inositol. Next question. A 56-year-old man with a clean bill of health and an 80-pack year history has decided that he wants to quit smoking and approaches his doctor for advice. After discussing the options, the patient declines a recommendation of a because of a friend that took it and gained weight. 
You explained that weight gain is a possible side effect of quitting smoking, giving smoking's anorectic qualities in some smokers. Which of the following pharmacological options would be best for this patient? A. Bupropion plus verenicillin. B. Nicotine patches. C. Bupropion plus nicotine patches. Or D. Sertraline plus clonidine. The correct answer is C. Nicotine patches and bupropion. Nicotine patches along with bupropion have been shown to be a more effective treatment than nicotine patches or bupropion alone. Both are acceptable treatment, but a combination of the two improves the chances of this individual successfully quitting. This patient has refused verenicline therapy, and you should respect his wishes. Clonidine and SSRIs have not been shown to be effective. Remember that bupropion is contraindicated in patients with a seizure disorder and also in patients with a current diagnosis of anorexia nervosa or bulimia nervosa. Next question. A 35-year-old man comes to the emergency department for multiple injuries from a bar fight. He admits to having alcohol and an unknown street drug before the fight. Prior documentation indicates that the patient has been hospitalized multiple times to the hospital's detox unit. He is agitated and uncooperative with history and examination and refuses to disclose his recent drug use. Which of the following drugs is most likely fatal from withdrawal? A. Alcohol B. Cocaine C. Heroin or D. Methamphetamine Correct answer is A. Alcohol Each addictive substance has a distinct pattern of intoxication and withdrawal. Alcohol, barbiturates, and benzodiazepines are widely considered the most fatal substances to suffer withdrawal from. The other drugs listed have a variety of withdrawal symptoms which can be incredibly distressing to the patient but are not deadly. Delirium tremens is the most severe form of alcohol withdrawal syndrome and is characterized by delirium, agitation, diaphoresis, hallucinations, and other signs of autonomic hyperactivity. If left untreated, the mortality rate of delirium tremens is about 35%. This is reduced to about 15% with medical intervention. Death typically results from seizure, respiratory failure, or cardiac collapse. Standard treatment for alcohol withdrawal is benzodiazepines. Vitamins such as thiamine and folic acid are often given to treat nutrient deficiency. Antipsychotics are sometimes given in severe cases, such as in delirium or hallucinations, although caution should be taken because they decrease the seizure threshold. Haloperidol is preferred due to less seizure induction activity than other antipsychotics.